This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is a bowl selection Sunday. It is the Built by Bama online podcast. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BOL, checking in with you following the news that the now 13th ranked Alabama Crimson Tide will in fact take on the Michigan Wolverines in the VRBO Citrus Bowl set for New Year's Day. Uh, that will be a noontime kickoff on ABC from Camping World Stadium and shouldn't be a shortage of storylines for sure. I mean, you're talking about two of the winningest college football programs in the history of the sport, two of the top five as it sits right now. You've got Jim Harbaugh taking on the dastardly, dishonest, unethical, immoral SEC. And not just the SEC in this one. This isn't Florida that we seemingly have seen Michigan play, what, nine times in the last three years, it seems like? Nope, this is the flagship program of the Southeastern Conference that Jimmy Harbaugh will get a taste of uh, come New Year's Day. So you've got that angle, certainly, that's going to be front and, uh, and, and center in all of this as we get closer to New Year's Day. you got Josh Gaddis, the one-and-done wide receivers coach for Alabama during the 2000. In 18 season, he is now your offensive coordinator up there in Ann Arbor. You've got Shea Patterson, Michigan quarterback, gets another shot at the Crimson Tide. The last time Shea Patterson saw Alabama, it was Route 66, as in 66 to 3. I think that was the final score in Tuscaloosa back in 2017. Shea Patterson's final season with the Rebels before he moved on to the University of Michigan. So again, an assortment of storylines, but kind of how we got here from the SEC perspective, and we'll get into some of the SEC matchups during the postseason coming up a little bit later in the podcast, but kind of how we got here was that instead of the four New Year six teams that the league had a year ago, uh, you got three this year. You got three New Year six slash playoff Bowl teams, LSU obviously is the number one overall seed in the college football playoff. As announced earlier on Sunday, the Tigers will take on Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts in Atlanta one more time. How about Jalen? Four straight years uh, in the ATL in the postseason for Jalen. So obviously LSU, one of those three. Georgia, the loser in a big way to the LSU Tigers on Saturday in the SEC championship game will go back to the Sugar Bowl for a second straight year. Uh, The Bulldogs will take on Baylor, the loser to Jalen Hurts and the Oklahoma Sooners in the Big 12 championship game. And then Florida gets in there. Florida will go to the Orange Bowl, where the Gators will take on the Cavaliers of Virginia, who lost by a measly tight game with Clemson, right? Saturday night in Charlotte. I mean, the Cavs only lost by 45. So uh, the Gators uh, get the Cavs. Uh, down in the Orange Bowl coming up in a few weeks. So there you go. Those are your three New Year's Six slash CFP teams from the league. Again, last year you had four. You had Alabama, 
to the CFP. You had Georgia, the Sugar, LSU to the Fiesta, and Florida to the Peach a year ago. So you come up a team short in the SEC. And this is really, as we stated earlier, unfamiliar mode of postseason transportation, I guess you could say. But here the Crimson Tide sits. Um, you know, and, and a couple of different ways to look at this. I think first and foremost, what the fans uh, are considering today is exactly who is going to play in this game on New Year's Day uh, from a standpoint of personnel and with all of these uh, draft eligibles that are projecting perhaps as first round picks or certainly early round picks. Uh, how is that going to sort of figure its way out as we get closer to the game? Um, Nick Saban was asked about that Sunday afternoon on the uh, sort of introductory press conference to the uh, Citrus Bowl here. And he pretty much said he's they that he understands that decisions have to be made by players. And Nick Saban is on record in the past, not too distant past, that because of the college football playoff – and sort of the you know lack of uh, anticipation that uh, the college football playoff has brought into play with the other bowl games, he has understood in the past that some of these guys, and it kind of goes back Christian McCaffrey at Stanford, Leonard Fournette at LSU, guys who basically may have been dinged up a little bit at the end of the day. It was essentially, I'm not playing in a made-for-TV event when there's not a true championship on the line. And we've seen more of it in the uh, in the passing years. So, you know, you look back to the last time Alabama went to Orlando to go bowling. It was then the Capital One Bowl. Uh, it's since returned to the Citrus in name. You know, and you think about guys who played <laughs> in that 2011 Capital One Bowl uh, just nine years ago, and you think about, would Julio Jones have played in the Citrus Bowl uh, not in 2019, given how things have changed from the approach to bowl games for draft eligibles, especially guys who have that early round, first round type grade? Julio Jones played against Michigan State in that game. Mark Ingram played against Michigan State in that game. Marcel Darius played against Michigan State in that game. And now... The fourth first-round pick that following spring from that 2010 Alabama team, it was a little bit of a surprise in James Carpenter, the offensive tackle. If you might recall, Carpenter, I think, surprised even Nick Saban, who was at the draft that night, in that he went uh, before even Mark Ingram. He went, I think, 25th overall to Seattle. So, you know, Carpenter you figured would play in the game regardless. But, man, you think about guys like Mark Ingram in that situation now, uh, Julio Jones in that situation, Marcel Darius. You know, Darius and Julio were top six picks. Um, and all four of those guys, by the way, still in the league nine years later. I think that's a pretty, pretty strong testament uh, to them and the the Alabama program. Now, Mark Barron didn't play in that game against Kirk Cousins and Sparty because you recall the injury he sustained against Auburn and Tuscaloosa in that 2010 Iron Bowl, which probably went a long way to Mark Barron coming back for another year in 2011 and certainly didn't hurt what ended up being one of the defenses for all time during that 2011 season. So, you know, it's not the same, I guess is what the point is. Times have changed. 
Uh, Saban understands that. Uh, realistically, when you talk about guys like Jerry Judy, you know, CBSSports.com recently ran a mock that had eight Alabama players going in the first round. And that was eight without Tua Tonga-Vailoa being one of them. Didn't have Tua Tonga-Vailoa as a first-round mock in, in that in that draft here, in that mock here recently. So it kind of tells you the decisions that have to be made uh, with this group and where we'll start to find things out. I would think when bowl practices get underway in earnest here in, I guess, a week or so, uh, that's when you're going to start to maybe get a better feel for who's in and who's out. And I think if you're Nick Saban probably right now, the approach you're taking is that not exactly like an early jump on spring practice as far as you know everybody you're going to play in the game, but I think you almost have to prepare yourself for that. And you know you're going to play Mac Jones at quarterback, but are you going to get Talia some work? Are you going to script in some work for Talia? in that game with Michigan. Um, you know, at wide receiver, maybe you ramp up John Mechie a little bit more. I mean, you may have to, depending on what happens with Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs III and Devontae Smith. I mean, you think about what that wide receiver rotation especially could look like pending a couple of decisions here coming up. I mean, you know you're going to have Jalen Waddell. He, he has to come back for another year. That's comforting, isn't it? Um, but then, you you know, you're talking about Mechie, Tyrell Shavers, uh, Xavier Williams, uh, Slade Bolden. And you're going to have to work your way through that rotation pretty good, potentially. So just at that one spot, uh, and then the potential on the offensive line, Jedrick Wills, Alex Leatherwood, you know, what are you looking at there? Is this an opportunity for you to go ahead and get Evan Neal going a little bit at offensive tackle? If you think that's where Evan Neal is going to most likely end up, in 2020, yeah, maybe you go ahead and ramp up Evan Neal some uh, at that uh, at that offensive tackle position. You know, some spots where you're really thin, where it could hurt you even more than, say, even wide receiver, outside linebacker, Terrell Lewis, Anthony Jennings. And once you get past those two guys right now, you know, Christopher Allen's there as sort of a third guy. But the anticipation or the expectation that Christopher Allen – would become a strong third guy to go with those first two. Really hasn't materialized this year. That's not to say that Christopher Allen looking ahead to 2020 can't be a very important and productive piece to the puzzle at outside linebacker. He's he's going to need to be because you're you're losing Lewis, you're losing Jennings, uh, and, and you're going to need Keem Wakuda, uh, Kevin Harris, uh you know, Christopher Allen, you look like on paper you have a stud, uh, star-studded group of edge defenders coming in. I don't think anyone would argue that at last check. Alabama's 2020 recruiting class of the top five players in that class, really numbers two through five, are those edge, pass rusher, edge defender types. Drew Sanders being among them. Chris Braswell being among them. So help is on the way. But that's typically not a position where you plug and play on an every down basis for the simple fact that a lot of those guys, when it comes to setting edges against the run, something you still have to do, believe it or not, in today's football uh, requires bulk, strength, technique. There's more that goes into that 
is not as simple as having a great first step and being a speed pass rusher and getting after the quarterback. You know, there's first down and in some situations, second down that has to be uh, taken into account too. And so, you know, those are a couple of areas to keep an eye on as we get into bowl practice. Obviously, quarterback, as we talked about earlier, is going to be a big part of that. But um, wide receiver, what about running back? Najee Harris, is this more of a Brian Robinson situation in the bowl game? What about Keelan Robinson? Could be a, a great opportunity for the diminutive back who runs like he's 250, which I love to watch. I love to watch Keelan Robinson. So, you know, those are some areas across the board, really. There's not an area of this team right now where you can sort of look and say, oh, yeah, you know, that that one area is going to have everybody. When you look at the secondary, you look at outside linebacker, you look at the defensive front, uh, you look at the offensive line, you look at we know quarterback, you look at running back, wide receiver. Uh, these are all areas where there could be some questions about uh, participation uh, against Michigan uh, in this bowl game. So you've got a history here with the Michigan Wolverines to take into account as well. Uh, four meetings between the two all time. Seems a little weird, right? For as many college football games as these two uh, have played throughout the years, 100 plus years, um, you've got uh, you've got four meetings and you got a 2-2 tie in that all-time series. The last time they met, 2012 in Arlington, Texas, Alabama woodshedded the Wolverines pretty good. Brady Hoke and Denard Robinson didn't really have a lot in a 41 to 14 loss uh, to the Crimson Tide. Uh, you had the Tom Brady game down in the Orange Bowl on New Year's night, 2000. Brady and the Wolverines get that overtime win down there after a missed extra point by the Crimson Tide in OT. And oddly enough, ironically enough, it was in that 99 season, a missed extra point that helped Alabama. Remember the game against Florida down in Gainesville? Crimson Tide shock, Steve Spurrier and the Gators. Uh, and then you had a couple other meetings as well. The Outback Bowl, Gene Stallings' last game at the end of the 96 season. Dwayne Rudd with that uh, interception return for a touchdown of Brian Greasy. Yeah, I was there. That was in the old Sombrero. That was in the old stadium uh, in Tampa. The Crimson Tide won that one 17-14. And then I was also in Tampa. Uh, John Colasar, I believe it, it was Colasar who caught the touchdown pass in the corner of the end zone in 88, or in the 88 uh, Hall of Fame Bowl, as it was called then, before it was uh, before it became the Outback Bowl later in Tampa. Uh, that was a hell of a game. Gary Moeller uh, was your, your head coach uh, for the Wolverines that day in Tampa. So just four meetings, and it's all tied up at two. And I think from a fan perspective, I don't know, I'm sure a lot of you folks will let me know about this, but I think this is a win for the fans. Yes, there's more prestige if you go to Miami and you play in another Orange Bowl. But if you're a fan, you were just down there last year for the semifinal against Oklahoma. Uh, this is by far the more attractive opponent. You're going to be more fired up about seeing Alabama on the same field with Michigan than you are about Alabama being on the same field with Virginia. I mean, come on. I don't think as big as Alabama's brand is, and it's still, right now, even without being in a New Year's Six Bowl, it is still the premier brand in college football today. 
I don't think Alabama's brand could save that Orange Bowl game with Virginia in it. So let Florida go have fun in that. You're an Alabama fan. It's an easier uh, venue and a town to get to in Orlando. I'm not the biggest Orlando fan in the world. I'm not Disney guy, you know. I'm not anti-Disney either. It just doesn't blow my hair back. Uh, But you're going to have a couple of Orlando Magic games that week. I already checked for you. Kind of your concierge here on the Built by Bama online podcast. You're going to have the Magic at home on the 27th against the Philadelphia 76ers. And then the Magic are home on December 30th against the uh, the Atlanta Hawks. So there you go. I got you covered. You know? So when you're not doing Disney, you're not doing Epcot. I wonder if Epcot still has that, uh, that World of Beers tour they do. Oof. That can be a long day if you're not careful with that one. Uh, so, you you know, I, I think from the fan perspective, it, it, it's, a, it's a win. And by the way, check out the TV ratings when this is all said and done. Check out the TV ratings for that Virginia-Florida game and then look at Michigan-Alabama in the uh, Citrus Bowl and uh, try to explain to, to ESPN how much prestige there is in that Orange Bowl. Yeah. And maybe, uh, maybe check out – Really check out Alabama-Michigan in comparison to any of the bowl games outside of the playoff. I mean, New Year's Six games, and then look at, at Alabama-Michigan in comparison to just New Year's Six games. Uh, and then, you know, of course, on the 28th, when you have those two semifinals, that should be uh, rating ratings boons for the, the, the unofficial owner of college football these days. And that, of course, being... ESPN. So when you look at the SEC in general here, uh, the matchups, and we'll go through. It's interesting this year because really for the SEC, the bowl season kicks off with the college football playoff semifinal with LSU and Oklahoma at the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. And that one semifinal, that's going to be a 3 o'clock central kickoff. Uh, what What a season for LSU. What a season for Joe Burrow. What a season for Joe Brady uh, and Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts gets another shot at the LSU Tigers, looking to go a perfect 4-0 in his college football career against the team from Baton Rouge. And then on December 30th, you're going to have Mississippi State and Louisville from the Music City Bowl in Nashville. That's going to be a 3 o'clock central kickoff on ESPN. I don't know if I like that matchup or not for Mississippi State. I think Mississippi State has the better players right now. Um, and they, they'll they have a full complement of players because that Tudor Gate 10 situation, that was eight regular season games that the players involved with that, Willie Gay uh, and a couple other, uh, Mark Murphy, a couple of guys that are important to that defense especially, but Willie Gay Jr. primarily. Um, those guys will be available. For that bowl game, but I, I like Scott Satterfield better as a coach. I know that already. And just not not a lot of juice with Joe Moorhead over there in Starkville. Also on the 30th, speaking of Florida, Virginia, yeah, Hard Rock Stadium, baby. Place is going to be on fire, isn't it? Florida and Virginia. Interesting note about Florida in the Orange Bowl. Site of uh, Steve Spurrier's final game as head coach at the University of Florida. Gators hammered Maryland back in that uh, Orange Bowl, gosh, 17, 18 years ago now. December 31st, you'll have Virginia Tech and Kentucky in the Belk Bowl. 
in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, New Year's Day, you're going to have Alabama, obviously, with Michigan. Minnesota and Auburn from Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. And you're going to have, based on the schedule I'm looking at, you're going to have Alabama and Auburn butted up against each other at 1 o'clock. P.J. Fleck and uh, the Golden Gophers of Minnesota taking on Auburn there in the Outback Bowl. Also, later that night, Georgia, you talk about a team that isn't going to be all that thrilled to be in New Orleans again uh, in that sort of uh, left at the the aisle uh, altar mode that the, the Bulldogs have been in now for the last three seasons under Kirby Smart. Georgia and Baylor from the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. That'll be a 745 central kickoff also on ESPN. And then you're going to have a matchup on January the 2nd of two really prominent basketball schools. Indiana from the Big Ten, of course you know that. And Tennessee, right? Tennessee is Tennessee's pretty much a basketball school these days. Indiana and Tennessee from TIAA Bank Field on the banks of the St. John's River down there in Jacksonville, Florida. In all seriousness, a hell of a turnaround for Jeremy Pruitt and the balls over the second half of what appeared to be a lost season. Back in September, instead, at 7-5, and five, Tennessee with a chance to win eight games. Wouldn't have figured that. Wouldn't have figured that back in late January. So there you go. That's sort of a bowl update for you here on the Built by Bama online podcast. Charlie Potter going to keep you updated throughout the evening. He was covering that Nick Saban news conference, teleconference this afternoon. He'll have all of the tidbits for you uh, from that teleconference coming up at BamaOnline.com. Big recruiting weekend for the Crimson Tide as well. Hank South, Tim Watts, you know they're going to take care of you from a recruiting perspective. Updates from official visits over the weekend at UA and a whole lot more. So there you go. A Selection Sunday edition of Built by Bama Online podcast. Travis Ryer thanking you once again for joining us here on the show Keep it locked and loaded to BOL for continuing updates on the Alabama Crimson Tide.